I think we're on to Eden. And I just wanted to add a couple things. One, um, to the um, opportunity to help out with folks in Ukraine through Mark and Kareen Beach. Um, Lynn and Steve have a long-term relationship with them and I've known of them for a long time with a small amount of connection over the years. And they, uh, they've been based in Romania for decades now and um, they're just really top-notch uh, problem-solving, penny-pinching kind of people. And so if you are looking for a way to um, help meet needs over in, the, in Ukraine, um, going through Mark and Cream is, uh, is a solid way to do that. So just for that. And then also um, the book, Rivers from Eden, that we're going to go through already had a nice little response to that. If that's something you would like to um, participate in, it's gonna be at my house right here in Abbotsford. We're gonna probably meet on the deck as, um, as weather permits. And um, we're also going to be kind of assuming some of the things that are taught in um, Can You Hear Me? Um, a book by a guy named Brad. And um, if you haven't read that, and you would like to get a copy, um, just um, send me an email that was in the thing. It's just edenjersack at gmail.com. And I can see about um, getting a deal from the author for you. So, um, and that's open to anyone. Um, you don't have to be a particular kind of person of any sort. Now we're gonna move on to round table. And um, the question this morning is, um, can you, can you tell us about, uh, um, can you show me what, what that is, Jeff, what the question is? Cause I actually, I've read Jake. Sure I can. Um, um I it's about gardening, um, failures and successes. So can you give it? There we go. Um, so what I want to do with this, and I'm just going to take like a minute, is if we can go away from that for a moment and have me back in the picture. I have props this morning right back here. So, um, you know, I, I have different successes um, and failures. So, so this plant right here, Karina gave that to me a couple of years ago when my mom passed away. And there was actually like three plants in that pot. Um, but this little palm is like sticking it out with me. So I feel like that's a success. And then Sarah gave me this one uh, for my birthday just um, in December. And it's still green. And some new things have grown on it. So I'm pretty proud of that. And then this year... That's, um, that's some basil that I picked up at Save On Foods, and um, it's probably only about six weeks old, and I've clipped lots of leaves off of it, and I use it, and I love it. Um, and then these, there's two plants here. Well, actually, there's two green things, because not everything green is a plant. Those are actually plastic from Ikea. Those are in case I do have a failure. 
Um, one big failure I had years ago was I bought plants and I treated them all the same. I watered them every week, whether they needed it or not. And sadly, some of them really suffered from it and some of them really thrived. And um, what I get from that is that um, as humans, as people, we cannot all be treated the same. We think that's what equality is, but it's not. Equality is treating everyone as an individual and recognizing that they have specific and very specialized needs for themselves and that those are the things that need to be addressed, not just everyone gets water on the same day. So anyways, that's my little uh, startup here for the round table. Does anyone else have something that they uh, want to share that they've either learned from, uh, you know, having plants or working in the garden or um, anything else like that, that, that they've learned something from? It just, I've never had a vegetable garden. I let my parents do that. Um, but um, I don't think I will be eating cauliflower soup anytime soon either. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to move on and, um, and have some communion now. So if you don't have your elements with you yet, um, you can do a mad scramble right now. And we'll be moving to Sarah for that. Good morning. Um, this morning, we are coming to share communion together. And it's a table and a place of connecting with God. It's a mystery which is what sacrament means apparently. Sacrament is the Latin translation of um, the word uh, mystery or the other way around. Mystery is the Latin translation of sacrament. Either way, the, the words work either direction. Um, and a lot of the most sacred and beautiful rituals that we have in Christianity are mysterious. There is much more going on than we can see, but what we can see can help us know God. So uh, the table of, God, of bread is now to be made ready. It is the table of the company with Jesus and all who love him. It's the table of sharing with the poor of the world with whom Jesus identified himself. It's the table of communion with the earth in which Christ became incarnate. So come to this table, you who have much faith and you who have little and you who would like to have more. Come, you who've not been here very often. Come, you who've not been for a long time. You who've tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed. Come, it's Christ who invites us to meet him here. Now, I'd love to just, uh, I'm going to remove my spotlight and I would love you to switch to gallery view because this is a communal act and things that we do together. So I, I think there's something about seeing each other as we take communion. So uh, switch over to gallery view so you can see everybody. So you're not just looking at me. So we can do this together. Place a hand on your heart and say to yourself, I am invited to this table and I am welcome here. If you're sharing a physical space with others, you can look at them or put a hand on them and say, you are invited to this table and you are welcome here. And even if, uh, like me, you're in a, you're in a you're alone in this shared space this morning we're still connected by the mysterious abilities of the internet and so together we are invited to this table 
and we are welcome here. And we're not just one church, we are one church of a whole crowd of churches and people who follow Jesus. So wherever we are, gathered or scattered, we just send out the invitation to the world that you are invited to the table and you are all welcome here. Loving God, through your goodness, we have this bread and juice and wine to offer, which has come from the earth and human hands have made. May we know your presence in the sharing of it so that we might know your touch and your presence in all things. We celebrate the life that Jesus has shared among his community through the centuries and shares with us here and now, made one in Christ and one with each other. We offer these gifts and with them we offer ourselves a single living act of praise. Blessed are you, Lord of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread, which has come from the earth and human hands have made. Blessed be God forever. Let's eat. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness, we have this wine to set before you, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become for us a cup of salvation. Blessed be God forever. Let's drink. Jesus, yours is the seed and yours is the growth. Yours is the water and yours is the thirst. Yours is the wild and yours the tame. You are within us, O oh God, and within all creation. And you are beyond. Shape us and fill us today and all creation with your grace. <clears throat> Amen. And I'm going to pray for Lando. So let's just add a spotlight. So God, I thank you for Lando and I thank you for the gift that he's bringing to us this morning of his words and his thoughts and his heart. And I pray God that he would speak your words and thoughts and heart to us today and that, that we would uh, encounter you through his gift. Amen. All right, good morning. It's my privilege to uh, share a few thoughts and stories with you today. Thanks for this opportunity. Uh, it was about a year ago that I came uh, to our gathering in the same format. Uh, if I was doing this live, you might see me walk back and forth across the stage, uh, waving my arms, uh, making uh, illustrious points. Sometimes I've been known to throw chocolates out to the crowd just to wake them <laughs> up and keep them uh, uh, paying attention. But, oh, that was not church. That was a marketing seminar. So back to, uh, back to here. Uh, a little bit about myself. I've been a bookseller for 48 years. Uh, retired July 4th of last year. Sold mostly Christian books and records, not records, but uh, uh, music uh, and Bibles and uh, had the joy of having 200 people work for me over, the, uh, over that time. I'm very grateful for them. My storehouse of James is being purchased by my assistant manager, Pierre. Uh, he's been there many years and I'm thankful that my life work can carry on. I'm married to a wonderful girl named Kathy, 45 years, uh, have four grand, 
four children and four, uh, 12 grandkids, uh, age two to 17. And thankfully they live in the Fraser Valley and uh, really uh, it, it, I'm very grateful for them. Our suite is quite small here. So we, it's quite a whirlwind at Christmas. Before I retired, I brainstormed a bit. I came up with 17 things I'd like to do in my golden years. I'm getting starting, uh, started on some of them, but it is a challenge to get new rhythms going. That's for sure. Often there's no place to be in the morning so I can sleep in and just take it easy. And I don't like that about myself because my father taught me to work hard and get things done. Uh, so it, it, it's taken some adjustment. Plus, it's only been nine months and you know we've got all these problems in the world, the COVID restrictions, the truckers freedom rally, vaccine mandate cards, Justin Trudeau in trouble again, Zoom gatherings, uh, and then the, the awful heart-wrenching war. Um, and, and these things, you know, it's impossible to get some new habits going. So I'm trying not to be too hard on myself. Is that okay? Uh, my wife has been very supportive and I'm grateful that she's, she's here with me, but she still wants certain things done. You know, so I say, okay, I'll do these for you. And she says, it's not just for me, it's for us. And uh, even after all these years, it's hard to get things right. And that reminds me, uh, a long time ago, I wrote a, a fictional country song about the married life. And in that song, I was, you know, fictionally going to a hotel because I, I was such a jerk. And the, the way the words uh, go in the course, I'll just tell you, life is a mystery. So is my wife. Married 27 years, I still can't get it right. Maybe I should listen more and think before I speak. I'm going to the hotel, but I won't be there all week. I'm truly grateful for my wife, and I am. I love being married. Something I've been thinking about the last few years is this book that has come to us from a culture that is so different than uh, what we experience today. There were no skyscrapers, cars, no electricity, no computers. Uh, there was earth, buildings, people, buildings made of mud and brick, uh, wood, uh, into this world the Bible came. How do we read it today in our context? And I sometimes think it doesn't make any sense at all. What, what are we even doing with this? How do we take the Bible? Should we take it literal, metaphorical, historical, rhetorical, alphabetical, theatrical, chronological? How do most of us who have not studied the original languages read the Bible? How can we interpret it right? I think many sections of the Bible can be read at different levels, and I find it fascinating how they fit together. The book of Revelation is, for the most part, many sections uh, are taken from other parts of the Bible. And I believe as followers of Jesus that we can gain from our book. So today, the scriptures that are suggested, Psalm 148, where everything praises the Lord, nature, humans, and animals. We won't read that, but it's a, it's a very exciting chapter. Isaiah 51, um, the ruins are being turned into Eden, the garden, and uh, Luke 13, 18, the mustard seed and the yeast, the parables. And Romans 11 talks about the branches being grafted in. I'm going to try to connect a few of those things and... Uh, uh, Tell some stories that have come to mind, and hopefully you'll be encouraged a little bit today. I do welcome your questions and comments at the end, because I know a lot about this stuff now, just so you know. Okay, let's look at some of these themes that may jump out to us. Um, I 
I, I want to look at the, the, looking, the theme of looking back, and I'll read the scripture in a moment, looking back to our history and the theme of restoration and the theme of the mustard seed and the yeast. So I don't have a, the scripture on the uh, screen, but I'll read it to you. If you want to grab a Bible and read it along, you can. Isaiah 51, 1 to 5. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and all who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was but one, and I blessed him and made him many. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. God will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. Listen to me, my people. Hear me, my nation. The law will go out from me. My justice will become a light to the nations. My righteousness draws near speedily. My salvation is on the way, and my arm will bring justice to the nations. The islands will look to me and wait in hope for my arm. And uh, Luke 13. Jesus asks, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and it became a tree, and the birds of the air perched in its branches. And again I said, again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into large amounts of flour until it worked through the dough. <clears throat> Look to the rock from which you were cut. It says, look to Abraham. And I wondered if I should look back to my history a little bit. And uh, I've learned about my great-grandfather a little bit. There's a picture of the book that uh, he wrote while well, it was edited by my uncle. And uh, I just want to go over a couple of highlights that I've enjoyed. He was born in 1857 in Malachna. It's a Mennonite colony that was in an area that's called Zoporizhia in the Ukraine. He went to the elementary school, but his father did not want him to go to high school. So he had to stay home and work on the farm. Um, can you imagine that? No, you're not allowed. And in, in the book, he said that he pursued learning by reading. Even though he could not go to high school, he devoured all the books he could find. His father gave him some Menno Simons books, theological books, the founder of the Mennonite movement. Here's this kid. Okay, read this. He learned from these books, although he did not originally was not originally attracted to them, but he did learn from them. And, and he also learned about farming and gardening. He was active in the Mennonite church. And he noticed a small group of uh, people were breaking away from the Mennonite church. And they at first were called the Joyful Brethren. They were later dubbed the Mennonite Brethren. After a time, his wife, Tina, and himself joined the new group. Guess what? They had to be rebaptized. Uh, you know, the MBs want to get it right. I've been an MB all my life, so I know a bit about that. He was also known, bring, uh, he was also known for bringing the, the Mennonite groups together. And then he started a Bible school. Uh, politically tumultuous times. I can't believe it. He says, with so much uncertainty and upheaval in our society, we wanted to do what we could to prepare our young people for the challenges they would face. 
And then more challenges were coming by 1926. Uh, you know what, I think I missed something here because they moved to, uh, yeah, I can't remember if I, they moved in 1891, they moved from the Ukraine to Russia further north. Uh, 1926, a new government was adopting a military militantly anti-religious policy, taking away their traditional right to self-government. Freedoms they had joined for so long were suddenly swept away. So their family and friends, they moved to uh, Canada, ended up in Alberta. And uh, his son, John, and their and his three children also came. And my dad, also named Cornelius, uh, was born two years later in Alberta. And that is another story, and I might write that one one day. My great-grandfather loved to read history, tell stories, and, and included poetry in his sermons. And he was an artist. Uh, my Aunt Louise said that, uh, who's still alive, she said that her great-grandfather, well, her grandfather, they'd head out to the woods and gather rose hips and Indian paintbrush stems, which he would take home and steep in hot water to extract different colors for his artwork. He loved to illustrate biblical stories and mottos and to draw the Bible verses often on newspapers because there was no money for art supplies. Lack of money would not deter great-grandfather's creativity. I love that. I never met my, my great-grandfather, but it's in the book. It's all written down. It's recorded. Uh, these writings have greatly encouraged me. They have affected me. And I see some interesting similarities between him and myself. So I'm asking today to you, think about where you came from. Did you have a chance to know your great-grandparents or your grandparents? Uh, are there writings you can learn about from them? Are there pictures, letters? Maybe their story was very dark and negative and you want to go in the opposite direction. Or maybe their story was positive and you can model your life on theirs. Maybe you should do a little digging into that. Might be valuable. I've never met any characters in the Bible, yet I am greatly affected by them. How? from the stories I read about them in the book. Let's encourage each other to write stuff down for our descendants to read. Hopefully these stories will inspire the next generation. I remember being at family gatherings and uh, my uncles would be telling stories. I'd sit there spellbound. I, I just, I couldn't get enough of this stuff. These stories changed me a little bit. I, I think they, the stories do change us, especially if they're connected to family and hopefully a bit for the better. Okay. Um, my little note here says break. So that means I just got to take a little breath. You know, sometimes I go too fast. Uh, I want to look at next uh, verse three. And that's where the gardening thing comes from. And thanks for sharing those insights, some of you this morning. Then the Lord will surely comfort Zion, will look with compassion on all her ruins, and he will make her de deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her. The word Eden, uh, whoops, just a minute, uh, back to the, the ruins. Zion can refer to one of three places, the hill where most of the ancient areas of Jerusalem stood, the actual city of Jerusalem itself, or the dwelling places of God. Maybe we can identify with Zion, the dwelling place of God. Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed two times. 597 BC, after a long siege, the city was plundered, Solomon's temple destroyed, and the city was razed to the ground. In 70 AD, kind of the same thing happened, and this time thousands of people were killed. Ruin and destruction. 
but a change is coming. The word Eden means pleasure and delight, the place of pleasure and delight. It's a magical, peaceful name with biblical roots and Hebrew origins. According to the Bible, the Garden of Eden was God's gift to the first humans. Abundant fertility, luxurious vegetation. The Dewey Rames Bible translation has the wording, and the Lord God had planted a paradise of pleasure. If you look up Garden of Eden on the internet, it's a glorious place. And also the people pictured Adam and Eve do not have any clothing, just so you know. Okay, my mom had a huge garden. It was always fun to see the neighbor coming over with the tractor and had a big attachment on the back called the Rotovator and uh, prepared the soil, mulched it up so fine and it was so soft, fun to run around in. As a young boy, I helped my mother plant. I had siblings too, but I don't know where, where they were. They were younger, uh, took off someplace. But I helped my mother plant uh, and, and of course had to weed it. And I loved going out each morning and looking to see if, you know, some green was showing up and the radishes were always first. And uh, it was very enjoyable. I was so impressed with gardening that I, uh, Planted a garden when I was 19 or 20 uh, in uh, the back of Mission. I, I had moved from, uh, I hadn't gone far in my life in terms of living. I, I lived in Masque Prairie and I moved to Mission. A big journey. And I lived in the back of my little bookstore and I wanted to do, plant a garden. So I arranged with a friend of mine, uh, his dad's little farm, and I planted a garden. Uh, I, it, it, it was huge, but I didn't look after it. I hardly, I don't even know if I put manure on it. Uh, I couldn't handle it, so I didn't get much harvest. It was a great idea. And I'm thankful that my friend's dad, who I'm sure was skeptical at first, did not come and say, you know, that was a dumb idea. I knew it wasn't going to work. He let me learn. I'm thankful for that. But, oh, if I had the time to make it happen, the harvest would have been huge. Later, when Kathy and I uh, were married, we had a, a large lot, about a quarter acre in Mission, and planted large vegetable gardens. It didn't always go smoothly in our gardens, especially when the large green tomatoes, and they were just starting to turn red, it got blight. What can you do with green tomatoes? No internet at the time, but she found out that you can make green tomato mincemeat. So that's what we did. Imagine chopped green tomatoes, candied peels, raisins, tart apples, cinnamon, currants, allspice. Very tasty. There's a tip for it. I'm sure many of you are gardeners know the joy and hard work of such ventures. The beauty of flower gardens or vegetable gardens is, is simply wonderful, especially when you know what used to be there. It could have been a neglected wasteland. I can only imagine some of the spectacular gardens in the Ukraine right now. Some have been decimated into wasteland. It will take time to come back, but they will be restored. If perchance you listen to any of the songs that I chose for today, uh, one of the songs is Woodstock with the repeated phrase, and we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. Uh, in the comments under the YouTube video, someone said this, the lyrics in Joni Mitchell's song Woodstock seem to refer to Eden. I say, of course they do, come on. Uh, they go, we are stardust, we are golden, and we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. The lady goes on to say, uh, here Joni Mitchell appears to introduce a cryptic reference to Eden when she sings this. She goes on to say also, Eden is a reference to sacred space written in Genesis chapter 2 and a reference to the garden that was originally Eden. 
Another person commented about the song, all the kids were heading to New York State. <clears throat> she said, I lived through the whole hippie movement. I'm one of the few still calling myself hippie today. Happy, intelligent person pursuing infinite enlightenment. I did not know that. <clears throat> Personally, I was not a hippie, but some people called me that because I had hair down to here when I was selling books in my little bookstore. But I do like this person's definition. I can identify with it. Happy, intelligent person, that's me, pursuing infinite enlightenment. I read a lot. I like to learn. I've done a lot of reading about the Woodstock Festival and saw some movies about it. In 1969, half a million people were heading towards a 600-acre dairy farm in an area called Bethel, the Love and Peace Music and Arts Festival. There was a desire to get away from the Vietnam War, the excessive materialism of the day, and what was drawing them, the new rock music of the time brought people together, as well as the substances being enjoyed, which some are now legal in Canada. Can you believe it? If I'd been a little older and anywhere in New York, near New York State <clears throat> at that time, I probably would have gone. Nature and music go together. And I've been involved in organizing various Christian music festivals in the Fraser Valley. It, it's beautiful and it sure works out when, it's, when the sun's shining. We always had a lot of fun, but we also always lost money. My wife used to say, concert promotion is a hobby for the rich. Thinking back, I came across another memory. The year was about 1970, 71. A bunch of us young folks that were running a coffee house ministry and mission heard about a Christian commune in Sumas, Washington, just up the hill from the border. We thought we'd go check it out. Sure enough, when we arrived, we saw barefoot, long-haired guys and girls in long-flowing sunflower-decorated dresses working in the garden, <clears throat> which seemed to be flourishing. And what caught my interest was someone playing guitar among the hills of the potatoes. Don't remember what he is playing, but this was real. And this was so groovy, as we used to say, in the garden with friends playing music. These folks were getting back to the garden, literally, physically, and spiritually, like Isaiah 51.3 says, almost exactly what they were doing. Joy and gladness was found in their, in her thanksgiving and the sound of singing, referring to the Garden of Eden. Short while later, we left and headed to Birch Bay Beach like a bunch of straight middle-class kids that we were. Maybe it was after this that I started my first garden experiment, which failed miserably from a lack of manure and attention. And I I don't think I took my 12 string out there to play in the garden. That was definitely one of the missing ingredients. <clears throat> the ruins of Zion turning to the Garden of Eden. A lot of the land of Israel was in the ruins, was ruined and not producing anything. Uh, much destruction, as I've mentioned. And in the last 50 to 100 years, some amazing agricultural miracles have happened there. One section went from 72,000 acres to 325,000 acres of productive land. Another area, they drained 44,000 acres of marshland. That's 68 square miles. Dramatic evidence of the deserts being turned into the garden of the Lord. Okay, want to switch over to Luke 13, 18 to 20. Uh, we've already read that. Now, compare the size of the seeds to the end result. The mustard seeds are one to two millimeters. You know, you can't see it on Zoom here, but it's smaller than that. And the tree size goes to 20 feet. It could go to 20 feet high, 20 feet wide. 
very small to large. All right, I wanna show you something. I've got a whiteboard here, and this is a little lesson on how a seed works, just so you know, okay? This is gonna be tricky, but uh, we're gonna go like that. That's, that's the dirt, okay? Now, it's, it's gonna be upside down, but you can read upside down, okay? There's the dirt, okay? Now, uh, we're gonna plant, uh, we're gonna plant a seed right here, and the seed's gonna be small, all right? It's gonna, he's got a line like that. And the, the water, the, the rain comes down, waters it, goes just like that. This is all scientific. And uh, then what happens is the little root comes out that way. Then the water comes this way and goes into the root. See that? Into the root. And then a uh, sprout comes up here like this. You know all about this. and goes like that. And then, uh, of course, flowers. And then your zucchinis start happening. Zucchinis everywhere. They don't go high like that, but like this, like this. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And um, time, time. This all takes time. It could take 110 days. 110 days, okay? Okay. And uh, whenever you do a piece of art like this, you need to sign it, okay? So, and uh, if you want us to, we can send this to you in a PDF. Uh, Jeff will send it to you at no, no extra charge. Uh, thank you. Jeff just said, nice sprout. Now, uh, but just uh, hey, someone, someone's on, someone's unmuted there. Come on, who's in charge of that? Anyway, it, it, the thing to think about how important this is, how small this is. This is way too big on my, and and this, and then of course the mustard seed is huge. Okay, just so you know, rain coming down, water coming this way. It's the miracle, the miracle of the seed. Okay. <clears throat> oh, got that done. It'll be seventy days for carrots. 110 days for squash, 110 days for onions. And that is if the seed survives. So much has been done. So much has to be done to help that, help that uh, seed to survive. And then after that, the main thing is time. Time, time, time. Reminds me of a song or two, but we won't go into that. We already did one song. And Jesus compares the kingdom of God to that. I'm thinking that a very small amount of anything to do with God can have huge results. Your gift can be small, and it will be small. And you may not think it is very useful, but in the kingdom of God can grow into a large tree. The accompanying verse right after this talks about yeast going into a large amount of dough, and it works its way through. To learn a little bit about yeast and bread, I went to... <clears throat> An old book called Beard on Bread, 1973. Uh, this is the book that most good Christian bread baking women used back in the 70s. And I looked up some stuff about yeast. Active dry yeast should be dissolved in liquid at a temperature of about 100 to 115, while compressed yeast should be dissolved in liquid no warmer than 95 degrees. The first times you make bread, you should take the temperature of the water with a thermometer, noting how warm it feels on your wrist when it is at the proper degree. After that, you can gauge the temperature accurately enough just by the feel. Oh, man, that's too complicated for me. And there are much more, much easier ways to bake bread these days, I'm sure. Bread baker uh, machine. Okay, uh, yeast, a little bit more about yeast. 
Oh, oh no, I missed a section. I was preparing this talk and my wife walked by and she noticed me reading this book and said, what are you doing now, reading cookbooks? And I'm going, no, it's all part of the presentation. Uh, she looks at me kind of skeptical and walks away. And a few minutes later, she comes back with a hopeful face. And she says, oh, you're going to bake something? I said, no. But now I'm thinking I should probably bake something with yeast. Practice what I preach. Oh, I see some people clapping. Yeast is a single cell organism called Saccharomyces cerevisiae. It's pronounced exactly like that, which needs warmth, food, moisture to survive. It converts its food, sugar, and starch through fermentation into carbon dioxide and alcohol. It's the carbon dioxide that makes baked foods rise. 500 types of yeast uh, uses for fermentation, fermentation for bread and alcohol, and the origins are hundreds of million years ago. What is yeast? Yeast is an egg-shaped single-cell fungus that is only found with a microscope. It takes 20, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 20 billion yeast cells to weigh one gram to grow. Yeast cells digest food, and this allows them to obtain energy. Yeast uses used in baking bread. There are a few dessert recipes that call for yeast, such as Christmas bread, sweet rolls, and bee sting cake. It's also essential for beer production. Okay, that last phrase got my attention. One of my son-in-laws makes some pretty good beer from time to time, and he's gone over the steps with me. The importance of yeast and all the other, the timing and the other ingredients. We have enjoyed talking about world events, theology, and organic gardening, sitting by the campfire, sharing libaceous drinks together made with yeast. We are part of the kingdom of God. We are part of the garden. We are the mustard seeds. We are the yeast. Our contributions are small and they add up to much. Yes, they can. The kingdom of God is opposite to a regular noisy large kingdom with pomp and circumstance. I am sure of that. That call to a friend or a family member, that visit to someone in the hospital, that positive comment on Facebook, that $10 donation to a worthy cause, that hello to the neighbor walking down the street. That call to someone who's just lost a loved one. That $5 gift card you may give to someone on the street. That leaf raking that you do for the neighbor. That offering to lend a hand here and there. Setting up chairs for the church, gathering, helping with the kids. Or maybe it's a casserole or a pizza that you bring to the Food for Friends event once a month. Or you might make a meal for a homeless shelter. Your actions may seem small, but like a mustard seed or yeast, they have huge impact. And I was thinking about this. The mustard seed never actually sees the later results on that tree. It just stays in there. And the, it, uh, and the person who plants the seeds doesn't always know the miracle that happens later. In our fast-paced, free enterprise society, we want to see results. We ask how many people decided to follow Jesus at that evangelistic concert, at that outreach, or at that missions trip? Are your actions bringing results? Is your endeavor really cost? What's your return on result? What's your return on investment in the kingdom of God? We should not think that way. We should do what we feel we're being nudged to do. And sometimes that is just to pray without other actions. Our actions may seem small, and I think they should be, and they will be small. 
And like my great grandfather, whom I've never met, the results, the fruit could come a long time later and you may never see the results. That's the mustard seed. That's the grain of yeast. That's the garden of Eden. That's the kingdom of God. Thank you. Thanks, Lando. That was epic. It was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, I laughed out loud so many times. I was glad I did remember to mute myself. Um, but um, yeah, just the examples you use and the, um, I don't know, just how real <clears throat> you are. It's really refreshing. So thanks for that. So let's just pray. Jesus, thank you for this really full morning and for, um, for using Lando's character and his voice and his um, experience in life to kind of elevate us to look to our gardens and to, um, to life and to see you in the middle of it. I pray that um, none of us would find anything too small to do that you are a part of that might grow into something else that we may never see. Let that not be our goal is to see it, but just to participate and be a part of it. So and now I bless my friends as we go into this week. Maybe, may there be a lot of seeds that you use uh, to drop and put in the soil uh, that grow and mature and bear a lot of fruit. Amen. Have a good week, you guys. <laughs>